Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. On cherche à retrouver dans les choses, devenues par les précieuses, le reflet que notre âme a projeté sur elle. On est déçu en conscient qu'elle semble dépourvue dans la nature, du charme qu'elle devait, dans notre pensée, au voisinage de certaines idées. Parfois, on convertit toutes les forces de cette âme en habilité, en splendeur pour agir sur des êtres dont nous sentons bien, qui sont situés en dehors de nous et que nous ne les tendrons jamais. Salut Miranda, how are you? Salut, ça va bien? I'm good. I'm really excited uh, for the beginning of what is going to be a long journey. Yes, a very long journey indeed, but exciting, nerve-wracking, a lot of emotions on my end, honestly. This is not what I expected it to be when we optimistically announced this project at the end of season three. Same. <laughs> yeah, same. If you are new to the podcast this season, we are undertaking A la Recherche de Temps Perdu, or In Search of Lost Time, by Marcel Proust, which is a giant book of over 2,000 pages. Mm -hmm. And what did you say? One it's in, over a million words. Um, it's words? like a million yeah. and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an endeavor. <laughs> and I have to say right away, we decided to get the single edition, so the unabridged, full complete edition and i'm regretting it because it is so heavy and so difficult to read i am also regretting it, it might have been a better idea to get this thing like the the volume it like 100 would have been a better idea but we both agreed that it would be good at the time to get one single book and yeah we were both wrong it's also way cheaper so <laughs> it, was, it was pretty silly of us but i'm excited because it's like still really interesting to talk about anything that I'm trying to channel what we talked about when we were looking at how Proust can change your life. Even if you don't like it, you can learn from it. Or even the experience Absolutely. itself is a learning experience. So that's what I'm trying to channel. <laughs> because we struggled with, <laughs> with the beginning of Proust. So before we get into it, Let's say, what are we drinking today? Oh, well, I definitely should be drinking something stronger <laughs> than I am, but I'm actually just drinking a nice dark roast coffee. It's gotten a little chilly. Really? Up here in Nancy, so it's nice to have a little autumn blend. I got some sage and some nuts mixed in. Lovely. So not real ones, but you know, in the grain, it's it's a nice roast. That sounds lovely. Anyways, what about you? I'm having a tea. It's not cold enough to really merit that, but you know, tea is like my lifeline. So yeah, yes. I'm just having a nice old Earl Grey. Nothing better. Nice and classic, just like this book. <laughs> so, with, without uh, losing much time, let's get into this. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, I will be honest, had a hard time getting into this. So, first I had what we'll say reader's block mm. because I got myself so wound up that, that I got too nervous to even start the book. I did get over it. And then I had a very busy summer, 
And this is actually not a great summer read. I think this is no. meant to be read in the cold and rain. So I'm hoping come autumn and winter that we'll make better progress because it might just go a little bit better under the covers with a nice warm beverage. But uh, it was hard. It was hard to get into. I totally concur. Like I, So I started strong and was reading 20 to 30 pages a day and was like I was getting through it, like doing well. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Just there. Congratulations. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I never managed to do that. Yeah, I was in the <laughs> beginning real strong. And then, like you said, the summer was busy. Um, my work got really busy, as did yours. And life just gets in the way. And I'll be honest, like, had it not been for our commitment to each other and to this book, I probably would have said, okay, I tried it. I can say I've read some of it. And then I'm going to go read something that's easier and more immediately gratifying. So I'm glad that we got as far as we did. Maybe we should just do a check-in on how far we got. Because these check-ins, let's be honest, we came in with this being like, we're going to have a schedule, we're going to read this much, we're going to get there, and that's we did. not realistic. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm, it's just not. Yeah. So- and then even if we read five pages every day, it would still take us 11 months to finish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not reading five pages a day mm-hmm. because it's not enjoyable. But that we can get into that later on how my reading style has changed. But yes, I currently finished the first tome or the first book, uh, which is called Dakota de Chez Swan. Yeah. So that means I'm on page three. 347 now. Okay. In our unabridged edition. Yeah. So I am the same. We both finished the first book, which is Dakota de Chez Swan or Swan's Way is often like the English translation. And I had to take a break, had to take a break after that. I thought I could push through. And after talking to you, I was like, you know, I might just let it breathe for a week. I might, I might let it breathe. Maybe three. Yeah. So Maybe three. <laughs> So it's been one of those things where we've adjusted midway. Um, and I don't think yes. we're going to be beholden to a certain schedule. We're just going to check in with each other and see where we're at in our Marcel Proust journey. I think that that will be easier for our conscience for our friendship for this commitment i think it will just be better that way as i think for my relationship with this book mm-hmm. because i don't want to be angry at the book mm-hmm. or frustrated mm-hmm. with it like i want to come to it open ready and willing to actively engage with it and i think that's somewhat hard with these really long books that don't necessarily have an evident plot line yes we're kind of entering a world and so it's not necessarily easy because it's not something that catches you like a thriller mystery novel and you can't put it down because you have to understand what's happening i understand what's happening and it just takes 20 30 (laughs) pages for him to get to bed like it takes them a long time to get to bed literally i'm not exaggerating that's a basically how long it took yep yep (laughs) Yep. No, it really, there's, yeah, there's a lot of description. It's very long. And like you said, there's not a lot of driving the plot forward. So it's a different type of book. That being said, shall we attempt a 30 second recap? And I think that what would be good is if I do one, 
horribly and then you do one that like fills in some gaps hopefully but knowing that we are definitely not going to get all of it (laughs) yes so to even premise the 30 second recap the first volume is actually three separate books Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. so we're we're recapping a lot in 30 seconds all right so it's clock starting now okay so uh to chase one is basically two time periods in marcel's that's the main character's life so it's when he's younger and his experience is going to like a outside paris i think it's a normandy town cambrai um and his like recollection of the relationship with his mother and this interesting character swan who um uh, holds a certain place and then we sort of skip forward into Marcel's uh, mid twenties, I'm gonna say, or like late eighteen, like mid late teens, and he is um, starting a romance with this woman named Odette, and uh, they. That's thirty seconds, oh. man. So sorry. <laughs> that was really bad. So I got the first like hundred pages, I think, but. Um, you right, feel well, free to do fill my best in. to <laughs> fill the rest in. All right. So picking up where Miranda left off, the second book is basically Swan's story. And so we get a lot less about Marcel, a lot more about Swan. He meets Odette. Odette is a very interesting character. She has a past, shall we say, and frequents a lot of different people, men and women. They have salons. Swan loves her, hates her company. There's some drama in Paris. There's like a lot of bourgeois content. And then he basically is like, I've wasted all these years and I don't love her and she doesn't love me and what have I done? And that's where the book ends and we're very depressed. And then the next book comes up and (laughs) basically we're back at Reflections and Marcel is young again, but he's still obsessed with Swan and he's playing with his daughter and there's a mrs swan but we don't actually know the story behind this and that's all i got yeah that's so, more than 30 seconds yeah that was like 45 too. but i think you should cut me i off. think we needed that <laughs> so to get most of the like bookmarks in but yeah it's a really yeah it's a yeah it's it's a little all over the place so that was it yeah <laughs> yeah we we have multiple timelines we have a lot of different characters we got a ton of references Mm -hmm. that are very specific. I think as modern readers, this isn't the easiest book to understand because we no longer get the societal and cultural references that would have been so easy and recognizable to readers at the time. So I did actually spend a lot of, of my time Googling some of these uh, plays Mm -hmm. or journal pieces article you know some of these people that seemed well known and so some of them i did recognize like he refers to george sand of course i know who george sand is but like some of the other ones less so so i think that's also setting the scene of the society that we're being introduced to and so that can be difficult for modern readers unless you are really really up to date on the bella poke in fence yes exactly and bravo to you if you are yeah, can you give us like a little history lesson on the belly poke? Because I know generally what it is, but time period wise, can you just give us a once over? Yeah, so the Bella poke often references a time, like a certain type of artwork, mm-hmm. but it's from like the 1870s 
to World War One, so 1914. Mm-hmm. So it kind of coincides with the Third Republic as well. So this is after the Prussian War, uh, which means Alsace is back in German control. Mm-hmm. Just uh, keep you up to date. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our season one with the Tour de France, Pounders en France, yes. and you'll get all the information you need. <laughs> but that's kind of the time period we're at. So it's slightly before the lost generation of the, the, the artists and the writers that a lot of Americans know after World War One. Yeah. So it's before that. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean, let's get into how we're reading the book because we were a little ambitious in deciding to take notes as the good students that we are. Um, and I'll be honest, yes. uh, you were much more ambitious than I was. My notes early on are really good. And then my notes further on are a little bit more just like, whoa, say what? Like, <laughs> so how, how are you looking at like taking notes and reading the books? So I've actually stayed pretty consistent with my annotations. So I have four different colors of little of course you do post-its that i've been using and so i am noting time or timelessness Mm. i think both of them work and then i have self or the versions of self yeah then i have france or frenchness and then i kind of cheated with the last color which is yellow and it's just interesting insight tidbit made me go oh so there's actually a lot more yellow than any other colors which makes sense because it's about reflections. Mm-hmm. So I've done good on keeping up with that. Like you, I think my earlier notes of the insights or the questions that I was posing to myself were much stronger in the first section. And they kind of dried up as we went through and then kind of came back towards the end. It really picked up in the last 10 pages of the volume. Mm-hmm. But in between was a, was a long ride, long ride, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. So you were saying earlier that you started with 20 pages a day. I never did that. So I was kind of like going about trying to keep it short because in How Proust Can Change Your Life, they recommended reading five pages a day or less than 10. And so that's kind of what I was doing at the beginning. I realized I was making no progress. And I also felt like I couldn't get into the story. Yeah. So my tactic changed and I actually wound up finishing the book by dedicating an hour to an hour and a half and reading as much as I could in that amount of time rather than page numbers Mm -hmm. because I did find five pages wasn't enough because sometimes you were still in the middle of a paragraph. Totally. I'm exaggerating in terms of paragraph, but you didn't get out of the story because there are no chapters. Right. In the sense of there are chapters, but I would call them more like little booklets because a chapter could be 113 pages long. They're almost like scenes page breaks yeah yeah and so it was hard to to leave five pages in because it would take me a while to remember what was happening and I think that's so that's that's what I found yeah no that's totally fair I think I did sort of stop whenever like I just couldn't take it anymore but there there isn't a natural stopping point uh in a lot of places so I kind of gave up a little bit on like specifically dedicating time yeah in the beginning it was like 20 to 30 pages also because it was taking me a lot longer like this french is it's older and it's the most french i've ever read in sort of like a single sitting that in this sort of very philosophical sense like it's all and 
it's all referring to itself, which is super hard when you haven't read French in a long time. Like the il and elle are not people and they're talking about concepts that they mentioned three paragraphs ago. And it's just a little, it was a little complicated for me. So I needed to like mm -hmm. dedicate a certain amount of pages so that I would stick to it because it was a little frustrating in parts. But I did find that like there were a lot of great sentences like or like citation quotations yes. that I was like oh that's awesome like I love that and maybe we could share like one of our favorite lines or something that we really enjoyed because I found one that I loved that was really early on so it was Go like it. <laughs> easier for me to write I wrote a big thing on it but it said notre personnalité sociale est une création de, les, de la pensée des autres so like our social like personality or our social like I don't know how to like turns like that like our sort of the way we come across to others is a creation of what others think of us and, and the thoughts of others which yeah. like I really love and I thought that it was great because in the beginning Marcel is describing Swan as this like mysterious figure who basically like comes in and disrupts his life and he wants to just be with his mom and Swan is there so everybody's like in a fervor and wants to be around Swan and whatever. Like I wrote, Swan is unknowable as long as he remains only like a social friend and the idea of a social personality was relevant in the era because of class structures. I feel mm -hmm. like we have an equivalent now which is like social media personalities or like personas, right? It what a great connection <laughs> yes yeah because i just think that like that was a great example of of in some sense like the timelessness of of the the experience of sort of knowing someone but not fully and you know only yeah. what they like sh allow you to know or show you which i just think was is like is timeless like that's that's true now it's made way worse by social media but that's true of anybody i feel like there are friends i had in high school that i only barely really knew because I only got to see them in a certain context. And if you never see them outside of that, you don't really know them. That's so interesting. What a good point. You just hit like all four of my colors. In one. <laughs> you know, selflessness, timelessness. You could even say Frenchness because the society is definitely a factor in this early part of yes. the book. We get a lot about the society that is upper because we have both. We have upper class society we have we'll say upper middle mm -hmm. class society but like they can't quite reach the upper class right. and then we have we know people are below that so <laughs> yeah that's such an interesting quote I really like what you're talking about how that is timeless because we do have the same thing with social media it's the highlight reel you're right. not going to go into a salon or a dinner party and start talking about the bad stuff or the things that you messed up no. on just like most of the time on social media, you're not going to post crying in the corner because your visa right. is complicated. You're going to post the like champagne on the Champs-Élysées, exactly. you know, like that's that's so true. Yeah. And I also like the the reflection of the layers of self. Mm. I always like thinking about like trees and how they have rings or the yeah, onion yeah. and you have to peel back the layers because I, I think people are like that. You can know a certain part of them but like you have to really take time to dig deep to actually get to the true self the yeah. one that they're open to sharing and I don't I don't think you, 
you share that part of yourself with all that many people in your life. I think yeah. there are a select few that you show all of yourself because it's scary it's very vulnerable it's hard to do well yeah and and we sort of see that with swan right like that he has this persona for little marcel it's like this you know sort of he has a larger than life presence in the house but then when we talk about swan and odette i mean swan is like pretty pathetic i mean we can get into like more of their relationship if you want to they have a really messed up relationship and yes yeah there's a lot there that's like uncomfortable and and that i think it's peeling back that layer of like what is shown to other people versus what is going on inside of swan that is like oh oh like what also makes me think of the Wizard of Oz, you know, the man behind the yes. curtain, like ignore the man behind the curtain. Just keep looking at this, you know, impressive wizard. Yes, totally. But that's it's just something that comes up in literature and films and our daily lives so much is the social public persona of someone. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about Swan and Odette because there is a lot happening there that surprised me for a book this old. Mm, so say more. one thing that I love is that people like to pretend that we've become more open or like more sexual. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, yes, obviously with social media and with our daily habits, yes, that is true in one sense. But also like there were prostitutes in Pompeii and like people today still go to the brothel to see all these things. We're also talking about things that are just part of human nature and have happened no matter what time period you're yeah. in. And I think Odette is such an interesting character for that because she has been with all of these men. She's also been with women. Yes. And is stating it. She's not hiding it. And there's even like a scene at a party where like another woman is like, hey, hey, let's go to the forest. And you're just like, how am I reading this from a book so old? Yes. But it's one of those things where lesbians have always existed. Right. Gay men have always right. existed. They have been in all sorts of societies and, you know, upper and middle and lower classes. And it's just those things that we pretend are new, like, but they're not. No. And yeah, that's what I really liked about this book was that it's already here. And the way he wrote it, it was not to be shocking. It, it was casually written. It wasn't even like a big revelation. No. It was like, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And Odette really skirts the line between sort of like a consort almost and a prostitute like she's she's definitely you like sort of peel back the layers and you get a sense of like okay for sure like prostitute this is what's happening but then earlier it's like she's got these friends who just kind of really like her to go out with interesting people and like they are comfortable sort of like sharing her around almost like a well sort of like a prostitute but she also seems incredibly like willing and very like like sh i don't think she she's well connected though we're yes. talking about bourgeoisie dinner oh, parties yeah. so it makes me think of like courtesans totally. in venice right like they were among the elite but they were still distinguished yeah and that's why swan can't quite figure her out at the at the beginning where he he actually at the beginning doesn't like her and then he kind of grows to like her because she doesn't like him 
no, what it, is it that she that she sort of does show some interest? It's basically his immediate reaction is he doesn't. I mean, I think it's the oldest trick in the book, right? <laughs> Pretend you don't like a boy, then they want you more. And then look what happens. He gives you all his money and all his time. Oh, my gosh. And he <laughs> just spends so much money on this woman. And she clearly doesn't like him. And, like, constantly is, like, yeah. more and more evidence. But, again, like, this gave me... Um, uh like catcher in the rye vibes a little bit where it's like i didn't super connect to it as a woman but like i did connect to the feeling of helplessness when you know you're losing control of a situation and so you're desperately trying to get control of it back and you just everything you do is making it more obvious that you're not in control <laughs> and like i i don't know i i found that to be like something that well i can't connect to the because he's aggressively upset about Odette and her moving on. Like yes. He is really broken up about it and in an angry way, like, which I think is somewhat masculine. Well, so she like moves on with higher people, right. which also has to be difficult to accept. Cause I think in his head, he already felt like he was above her. other yeah. people and was kind of playing down. And then for her to go above his echelon was just like another little jab into these societal dynamics that are happening yeah for sure no so i mean the emotions of it are there and are interesting the other thing that i just really um enjoy this is slightly off topic but he really idolizes her in a way that is not her real self like this is go back goes back to the persona thing where he he is so obsessed with her and like her sister at first he's really into her sister and he thinks of them as art oh she looks yeah. like uh is it botticelli or it, there's there's some sort of thing that he relates her to and it makes him think of a time before she had hurt him in all these ways and it's like but that's not reality, right? Like you're 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 just right. trying like you're sort of painting a pretty picture of her or of what she seems like, but it's that's not the reality of what's happening, right? And it's it's I think it's seeing what you want to see, right? Like <laughs> he mm -hmm. wants her to be uh, beautiful and trustworthy and totally obsessed with him, even though it's really obvious she does not like him as much as he likes her. Yes. Yes unrequited love and there's a sure. lot of like artistic and cultural mentions as you as you said one of them being george sand which is a, a writer yes well what was interesting was in the first part so in combre when he's with his parents and his grandparents and marcel is a young boy i think he was trying to prove how well read he was mm -hmm. how well informed he was because he was talking about discovering literature like you said, Georges Sand, there was like Zola, Balzac, like all of these huge writers. Yeah. And I made a point to like write down all of them just to see how many I've read <laughs> and how many I have not read. Also hadn't heard of because, you know, things get lost with time. Yes. Uh, some people stand the test of time like Georges Sand and some people do not. Yeah. But like you also said, it moves on that in the second and third part, it turns much more to physical art. Mm -hmm. So we had statues, we had paintings. We also had theater pieces because mm -hmm. they talked a lot about these operas. And it was interesting to see how it was used to elevate some characters and demote others. So, for instance, these people that are holding these dinner parties where Swan and Odette can see each other are not in the top echelon, mm -hmm. but they're really trying to be as high as they can go. 
they cut like an opera short because they just were like, it doesn't matter the middle parts. And Swan coming from slightly above them in the hierarchy of society is like, how could they do that? How could they not appreciate every note matters? And it made me think about this book and my own experience because I I really was like, what would happen if I just like skipped 50 pages, you know? (laughs) And so then like, I was like, okay, no, every word matters. Proust like wrote this for a reason. But it's one of those things I was like, oh, I guess I am more aligned (laughs) with these people that are like, what if we just like cut the middle out and like enjoyed 30 minutes of this opera instead of the whole two hours? (laughs) But do you think that Proust is there trying to talk about like the difference between like sort of our guilty pleasures almost where it's like because Odette is that as well like right she's he thinks I mean Swan thinks she's below him and she's just sort of this like insatiable thing he's really obsessed with but she's basically a prostitute and so he's like but he loves it like he loves like like being with her he wants to be around her becomes obsessed with her sometimes you do just want to skip to your favorite parts of a movie and it's not the best way to watch the movie but like you know, you, you just want to enjoy what you want to enjoy. I, I don't, don't know the last time I listened to an entire album. I just listen to my favorite songs, right? I mean. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't know. I think there's. Yeah, we've kind of <laughs> lost the listening to the album and how artists used to put it on in a certain order right. so that the experience was the best. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Way to bring it to the. <laughs> present day again look at you bringing it to the present day i was like stuck in the past being like social mobility and all of these things and you're over here like actually bring it to today that's really helpful i'm trying to see good thing we're talking about this i'm trying to see what other people see in him right like i mean people love this book up until now right like there are modern authors who are like obsessed with this book we just i'm trying to understand where where we can relate it to our lives as well but yeah no you're totally right the social mobility of it is really interesting and is something that i don't know that we have an equivalent right now like we have all the same actions that they're performing but like the importance of status I think is a little is so different now or is it like what do you think I think it's changed Mm -hmm. so I think if you are part of a certain echelon of society I do think there are societal rules and I think there are expectations but I think it's getting harder and harder to keep them alive because there is so much more mixing between what used to be the classes. But I do think, I think they exist. I think they exist. And I think it's one of those things where I would say we're not part of, right? Like I, in France, mm. like there are definitely still societies for certain people and not everyone's invited to them. <laughs> and there's certain balls and traditions that continue. Yeah. For instance, I saw the the wedding I didn't see it so I went to Napoleon's tomb mm-hmm. in, in Paris and there's a chapel there did you went I, too yeah, when you we were did. in Paris yeah. right right really beautiful so it happened to be that there was a wedding there the day that I visited so they were taking down the flowers because it had already happened and all these people were grabbing these white roses I was like oh I'll grab one and I saw that the wedding was between the great-grandson of Napoleon the third and the direct descendant of Marie Antoinette and Louis the 16th. So like, Whoa. these societies still exist. Right. We just don't know about it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. We just don't so, know. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that, 
you know, I was like, they had their heads cut off. Like, I thought that was the end of the line, but apparently not. Apparently, they're still alive and well and still intermingling. So. Yeah, for sure. That's craziness. Um, right? But I think you're right. Maybe it's just like we don't. It's not as prevalent openly as maybe it used to be. But yeah, that's kind of the point, right? Is it's elite. Like, we don't know it exists. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we're invited to some of these dinner parties. I don't think so. (laughs) Did you have a favorite line or quotation? I did. And it actually kind of helps because it's the very last line of this volume. So it brings us right to the end. But basically, we get... A very interesting quotation about time. So it says, Il n'était pas qu'une monstre tranche au milieu des impressions contigues qui forment notre vie d'alors. Le souvenir d'une certaine image n'est que le regret d'un certain instant. Les maisons, les routes, les avenues sont fugitives, hélas, comme les années. And so briefly, the last part of the sentence is what really is interesting to me. It says, A memory of a certain image is but only a regret of a particular instant. And the houses, the roads, the avenues are all fleeting like the years. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a really beautiful sentiment on time and also timelessness. So we get this at the very end. Like we said, we've gone through different times, Mm -hmm. right? Young, old, young, but slightly older. Mm -hmm. And we've had all these reflections. And it did make me stop and think, what is a memory, right? What is it that we're holding on to? And sometimes, sure, it could be a regret. I think that's not necessarily every memory is a regret. I think there's some happy memories. But it is one of those things where are we sure it happened the way we remember? Mm Because sometimes I think memories change with time. Memories can be adapted. So, for instance, if you were in love and you have this wonderful memory of this perfect date and your first kiss and you know, this is the story you're going to tell at your wedding and tell your grandchildren. And then you have a horrible heartbreak and you break up. That memory then changes, right? Like it's no longer, nothing about the actual event or the image has changed, but the feeling of it has. Yeah. And so it was one of these things where like, it is so fleeting because even our memories, even a photo can change so quickly. You know, there are so many photos that I would throw away now because I no longer want (laughs) to keep this picture you know like it's just it's an interesting perspective what do you think about it I love that reading of it I think that's totally like true to the feelings that we have when we think back on times in our lives and how they can be they're so framed by our current instance right like if you're I mean especially in a romantic sense right like if you're with someone and then you're not with someone those photos mean something different and if everything were to change and you were to be back with them you know tomorrow then that photo would suddenly not be heart- hurtful and it would be you know all the things that it right. would show that there was always love there you know and you could paint that picture over again right i totally see that i mean i have a much more like i don't think i see it as regret as much don't make fun of me but it is reminding me of an avengers scene interesting (laughs) where iron man goes back in time and has a conversation with his father who is about to become a father to him he's really nervous about becoming a dad and tony stark says like you know i used to think my dad was really harsh but now i just remember the good stuff i think that death has a way of doing that to things or i mean it's been Mm -hmm. over a year since my mom passed away and 
there's definitely like it's not regret but there is sort of a different sheen to all of those memories that is like yeah but it wasn't that bad but like overall the person you know like I just remember the good stuff I'm sure there are tons of memories and there are tons of memories that are like not super happy I mean if you spend enough time with anybody that's the reality right but like yeah I, I think it's it's the regret that you can't live in that moment forever I mean I think yeah that's an interesting perspective. I feel like I've had lots of things where you almost feel something becoming a memory while it's happening. <laughs> I've had lots of moments like that with you where like we're having such a good time and it's like this can't last. Like and I know that's kind of depressing, but it's sort of the beauty and the sadness of of life <laughs> of, of goodness is like Okay, well to bring us <laughs> to bring us back up, I actually have a really fun story to share with oh. you because today I was walking up down the street and I was walking past this boulangerie called Maison Schmitt and I smelled pâté de rein <laughs> and it's that's the place where we bought pâté de rein and we bought cremant and we ate in the park and so it's so funny is because to me that was one of those moments where I did feel like this is a memory in the present yeah and it was very Proust-like because it was actually the smell that brought it back and I remember turning to my partner and being like, it's a really good pate. Like, man, yeah. and I've had this. And like, I told him the story and I could I could picture it. But like you said, it was one of those moments as it was happening. We were adults living and working in France, eating a pate and drinking sparkling wine in a park on an afternoon yeah. during the week because we could because that was our life. But it was I clearly remember that feeling like this isn't right or this is a memory it's one of those weird moment in time moments where like i did feel like it was slow motion or a picture was forming in my head yeah oh Um, i love that so much and like we didn't fully explain it but proust has this really famous moment that we only learned about when we were in burgundy together Uh, i know this is somewhat (laughs) embarrassing that we didn't know this reference because like even my french professor made this joke to me because i brought him madeleines one time and he made this reference and I just like politely smiled and like pretended I understood. And it wasn't until Bone that I actually understood what he was saying. <laughs> it was incredible. But Proust has a moment in this book where he, Marcel, is like eating and dunking Madeleines and tea with his grandmother. And it makes him, like, yes. it gives him a gust of memory is what he said. Or like a, 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 a wave of memory about like Combray. And every time he like has madeleines they sort of bring him back to this like memory of this uh uh, sort of and combray itself like we don't have enough time to get into it but like is sort of a great example of like a place that is almost like a just a separate world for him like he has all these memories that are held in this uh this like box of combray that is totally separate from his life in paris but yeah but like that madeleines are this thing that uh, that brings him back so i love that like food oh food does that for me for sure that's beautiful yes i love that that's a great <laughs> well the last thing i wanted to add with this like fleetingness mm-hmm. and the the way he ties it to these houses and avenues mm-hmm. I also thought that was interesting because I almost disagreed with him. Like, as I read it, he was saying, like, these are so fleeting. And I'm like, we're talking about Paris, where these same avenues that he's talking about, these still, these houses, they're all there. Yeah. So it was almost one of these things where, like, like we read in How Proust Can Change Your Life, there's a moment where 
you disagree with the book and you have to take it for your own. Yeah. It, like you're saying, the regret I thought was a bit strong, but I could understand it maybe. But then I was like, these aren't fleeting things. Paris has, Paris of Proust is still the Paris of today. Like She carries her history with her. Yeah. And the, these addresses, I even looked up a few of these restaurants are still in operation. <gasps> so we can go and oh eat where these people are eating. And so to me, I'm like, and in some ways they aren't fleeting. Yeah. That that proves that it's not true but they aren't the same that he saw so like their personality i guess changes what's on them the people in them yeah it made me like take a step back and disagree and then as i sat with it i could understand what he's saying because the house that held odette sure the house still stands but it's no longer odette's house and so the the personality does change the I guess the esprit, like the the feeling, yeah. the spirits are fleeting. I don't know. What did you think? It's like I'm. I, we can leave it there. But I just I was curious what you thought because some of these things are still standing. Well, I think that you and I have a stronger and have always had a strong connection to place, and so I think maybe you and I are a bit more like no, that's that the houses and the avenues are always the same, and it's always the same place. I mean, I will say that like. I grew up in Toronto. I haven't lived in Toronto in almost 10 years. And I went back a couple weekends ago and my partner and I have opposite, had opposite experiences of like, I remembered everything I loved about Toronto and was like, oh my God, this is my home and I love it. And and he was like, I, want, I can't wait to get home to Ottawa. And the Toronto I grew up in is completely different like it is all the streets are there and you can still find the same parks and the same things but you know a lot of the shops that you remember are not the same so I don't know it's it's difficult I I can understand what he's saying that like all these places that used to hold value Mm -hmm. as soon as they become something else they're they're just not what they were but again I think that's the like point in time right there was a point in time where all my best friends lived within a four block radius of my house and all of those places held super important value to me and now they're just apartments or houses that don't have my friends in them anymore and like no you know maybe those people aren't even my friends anymore right like there it's a it's a point in time that no longer exists that's true so in that way it is but i'm with you paris is like unchanging in my mind especially because it literally is if there's some of these places are still in business <laughs> i know yeah but no i think that's the one thing i would say i have enjoyed about this book is i do feel like i have reflective thoughts throughout i do think there are a lot of profound sentences i have paused yeah. or i have gone back and reread things we have sent texts to each other you know saying wow this was really breathtaking or really interesting Sure, there's like parts that I was like, wow, this is really slow and hard to get through. But overall, I would say I am getting stuff from Mm -hmm. it. Like I I -hmm. do feel like I'm learning. I really enjoyed Combray because I think anyone can relate to childhood memories or those formative core memories that you have of your grandmother making you pasta or you getting in trouble that one time. And, you know, they become ingrained or part of you or the reason that you are a certain way so I think that was really easy to relate to so I'm curious to see how this develops because right now we have a kind of a dichotomy of Marcel's chapters are much easier to read Swan I was kind of confused why we had such a long detour into his life when 
originally we were just getting Marcel's perspective and it's it was just an interesting detour. So interested to see what happens next. Yes. But overall, glad we're doing it. It is challenging. It's super challenging, <laughs> but I've actually gotten a lot from our conversation. This is like reinvigorated my uh, desire to read more because, yeah, it was a lot to get through. It was definitely a struggle, but this has been really a great conversation. So maybe there is lots to be learned. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're doing this season yeah. and checking in the way we are because we aren't Proust experts. We are never going to be Proustians. No. But I do think there is something about reading it and doing this journey with someone else. Thanks for joining me on the literary adventure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, It's my pleasure. And next, we're going to be not going straight back to Proust because we need a little time. Um, We'll have these little check-ins to see where we're at. We may not always be at the same place. This has been great to like, we're not spoiling anything for anybody or for for each other, but uh, we may not always be at the same place. We'll just talk about what we learned in the book, which I'm really excited about. So stay tuned. You will get your fill of other Francophile <laughs> books. Don't worry. Have no fear. And we'll catch you next time. A bientôt. Salut.